0: excerpts from diderot's early philosophical works aphorisms fifteen through twenty two seventeen forty six translated and edited by margaret Jourdain, by dennis diderot seventeen thirteen to seventeen eighty four this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. Aphorism 15 I tell you there is no God, that creation is a fiction, that the eternity of the universe is no more a difficulty than the eternity of spirit, that because I do not see how motion could have caused this universe, though it keeps it going, it is ridiculous to solve the difficulty by supposing the existence of a being of whom i can have no real conception that if the wonders of the physical universe show some intelligence the confusions in the moral order are the negations of a providence i tell you if everything is the work of a god everything should be the best possible for if everything is not the best possible it is impotence or malevolence on the part of god therefore it is fortunate that i am not better informed as to his existence if it were proved satisfactorily and it is by no means proved that all evil is the source of good that it was for the best that britannicus the best of princes perished and that nero the worst of men, should reign. How is it possible to prove that it was impossible to attain the same ends without using such means? To allow vice in order to throw virtue into relief is a poor advantage in comparison with its real disadvantage. That, says the atheist, is my case. What have you to say to it? That i am a miserable wretch and that if i had nothing to fear from god i should not be disputing his existence let us leave such an answer to orators it may be untrue politeness forbids it and it has no savor of charity about it because a man is mistaken in his denial of god should we insult him people only take refuge in invective when they run short of proofs. Of two engaged in argument, it is a hundred to one that the man in the wrong will become angry. You thunder instead of answering, says Menepus to Jupiter. Are you then in the wrong? Aphorism 16. One day somebody asked a man if real atheists existed. Do you think, he responded, That real christians exist aphorism 17 none of the vain speculations of metaphysics have the cogency of an argument ad hominem in order to convince it is sometimes only necessary to rouse the physical or moral instinct the furinist was convinced by a stick that he was wrong in doubting his own existence cartouche pistol in hand might have taught hobbes a similar lesson your money or your life we are alone i am the stronger and between us there is no question of justice aphorism eighteen it is not from the metaphysician that atheism has received its most vital attack the sublime meditations of Melbranche and Descartes were less calculated to shake materialism than a single observation of Malpighi's. If this dangerous hypothesis is tottering at the present day, it is to experimental physics that the result is due. It is only in the works of Newton, of Muechenbrock, of Harzoker, and of Newington that satisfactory proofs have been found of the existence of a reign of sovereign intelligence thanks to the works of these great men the world is no longer a god it is a machine with its wheels its cords its pulleys its springs and its weights aphorism nineteen the subtleties of ontology have at best made skeptics and it was reserved for the knowledge of nature to make true deists. The discovery of germs alone has destroyed one of the most powerful arguments of atheism, whether motion be essential or accidental to matter. I am now convinced that its effects are limited to developments. All experiments agree in proving to me that putrefaction alone never produced any organism. I can allow that the mechanism of the vilest insect is not less marvelous than that of man, and I am not afraid of the inference that as an intestinal agitation of molecules is able to produce the one, it is probable that it has produced the other. If an atheist had maintained 200 years ago that some day perhaps people would see men spring full formed from the bowels of the earth just as we see a mass of insects swarm in putrefying flesh, I would like to know what a metaphysician would have had to say to him. Footnote Diderot here alludes to Ridi's experiments about the generation of insects, and in the preceding thought he alludes to the discoveries due to the telescope and microscope end of footnote aphorism twenty it was in vain that i made use of scholastic subtleties against the atheist he found among his feeble reasons one argument of some validity a multitude of useless verities are proved to me without any doubt he said and the existence of god the reality of moral good and moral evil and the immortality of the soul Are still problems for me what is it less important for me to be informed on these subjects than to be sure that the three angles of a triangle are together equal to two right angles while like a skilful orator he made me taste the full bitterness of this reflection i joined battle with him again with a question that must have appeared singular to a man flushed with his first success are you a thinking being i asked can you doubt it he answered with a pleased air why not what have i seen to prove it sounds and movements but the philosopher sees the same in an animal to whom he denies the faculty of thought why should i allow you what descartes refuses the ant externally your actions are designed to give me that impression I should be tempted to maintain that you do think, but reason suspends my judgment. Between external actions and thought, my reason tells me there is no essential connection. It is possible that your antagonist thinks no more than his watch. Must one take for a thinking being the first animal taught to speak? Who has informed you that all men are not so many well-trained parrots? that is very ingenious he returned but it is not by motion or sounds but by the continuity of ideas the connection between propositions and the links of the argument that one must judge if a creature thinks if there was a parrot that could answer every question i should say at once that it was a thinking being but what has this to do with the existence of god if you were to prove to me that the most intelligent man were perhaps but an automaton should i be the more disposed to recognize an intelligent being in nature that is my affair said i but admit that it would be madness not to credit your brother men with the faculty of thought of course but what follows it follows that if the universe but why drag in the universe if a butterfly's wing shows me proof of an intelligence a thousand times stronger than the proof you have that your fellow man thinks it would be a thousand times more foolish to deny that god exists than to deny that your fellow man thinks i appeal to your knowledge to your conscience HAVE YOU EVER OBSERVED IN ANY MAN MORE INTELLIGENCE, ORDER, WISDOM, AND REASONABLENESS THAN IN THE MECHANISM OF AN INSECT? IS NOT THE DEITY AS CLEARLY APPARENT IN THE EYE OF A FLESHWORM AS IN THE WORKS OF THE GREAT NEWTON? WHAT DOES THE FORMATION OF THE WORLD AFFORD LESS PROOF OF INTELLIGENCE THAN ITS EXPLANATION? WHAT A POSITION! But, you reply, I admit the faculty of thought in another the more readily as I myself think. That is an analogy I admit I cannot use, but against this must be set the superiority of my proofs to yours. Is not the intelligence of a first cause more conclusively proved in nature by his works than the faculty of reasoning in a philosopher by his writings? remember i only adduced a butterfly's wing a fleshworm's eye when i could crush you with the weight of the entire universe i am greatly deceived if this proof is not well worth the best that was ever issued from the schools it is by this argument and others equally simple that i am convinced of the existence of a god And not by those tissues of dry and metaphysical ideas which are better calculated to give to truth an air of falsity than to unveil it. Aphorism twenty one. I open the pages of a celebrated professor. footnote. Breer in his edition says that Rivard, who was then professor of philosophy, is here meant but the argument which follows is a well-known one. End footnote. And I read. Atheists, I concede to you that movement is essential to matter. What conclusion do you draw from that? That the world is the result of a fortuitous concourse of atoms? You might as well tell me that Homer's Iliad or Voltaire's Henrade is the result of a fortuitous concourse of written characters i should be very sorry to use that argument to an atheist he would make quick work of the comparison according to laws of the analysis of chance he would say i ought not to be surprised that a thing happens when it is possible and the difficulty of the result is compensated by the number of throws there is a certain number of throws in which i would back myself to bring one hundred thousand sixes at once with one hundred thousand dice whatever the definite number of letters with which i am invited fortuitously to create the iliad there is a certain definite number of throws which would make the venture advantageous to me indeed my advantage would be infinite if the number of throws permitted me were infinite you grant me that matter exists from all eternity and that movement is essential to it in return for this concession i will suppose as you do that the world has no limits that the multitude of atoms is infinite and that this order which causes you astonishment nowhere contradicts itself Well from these mutual admissions there follows nothing else unless it be the possibility of fortuitously creating the universe is very small but that the quantity of throws is infinite that is to say that the difficulty of the result is more than sufficiently compensated by the multitude of throws therefore if anything ought to be repugnant to reason It is the supposition that matter being in motion from all eternity, and there being perhaps in the infinite number of possible combinations an infinite number of admirable arrangements, none of these admirable arrangements would have ensued out of the infinite multitude of those which matter took unsuccessively. Therefore, the mind ought to be more astonished at the hypothetical duration of chaos than at the actual birth of the universe. Aphorism 22 I divide atheists into three classes. There are some who tell you openly there is no God and are convinced of this. These are genuine atheists. There is a fairly large number of people who do not know what to think and would be glad to decide the question by tossing up. These are skeptical atheists, and a still larger number who wish there was no God and who pretend to be convinced of his non-existence and live in harmony with this conviction. These are the braggadocios of the party. I detest braggarts. They are dishonest. I pity genuine atheists. All consolation is dead to them. And I pray God for the sceptics. They lack knowledge. End of excerpts from Diderot's early philosophical works. Aphorisms fifteen through twenty two, seventeen forty six. Translated and edited by Margaret Chourdain. By Denis Diderot seventeen thirteen to seventeen eighty four